the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like a job for me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy. Let's celebrate how wrong I was. It's very rare, Squirrel. Very rare. But I was wrong, and the reason I was wrong is to convict Ed Burke is to convict Chicago. To convict Ed Burke is to convict Chicago media and the media in the state of Illinois. To convict Ed Burke is to convict every Illinois Democrat. That's what just happened. And that's why I never thought it would happen. Because after all, Ed Burke has been doing what he was found guilty of since 1968. That is business as usual. usual. The Chicago way is Ed Burke. So it's a shocking decision. I just want to know, was everybody from Southern Illinois, or did they, did they Zoom the, the, the jury? Where did they get these people? I didn't think there were this many Chicago registered voters with character and dignity. Burke, here's the first count. One, Burke guilty. Count one, that's the racketeering count that has significant jail time, prison time. That goes that's with a 20-year count. Yes. Count one, Burke is guilty. So we have, so far, five counts against Quay guilty, four four against four. Andrews not guilty, and one against Burke guilty. So this is the quid pro quo that the jury may have been looking for here. By the way, I want you to understand something. What Ed Burke was found guilty of was what he did every day of his political career for 54 years. That's why he sat there petting dogs without a worry in the world, because this is what he's always done. And he's done it with the help of Chicago media. Here's a little snippet of the media personalities, which are failed soap opera actors and actresses. They couldn't get jobs, but they knew if they kissed the ring of the short in the pants mafia, They'd go down in history as, as, as Chicago reporters. So to hear these verdicts coming down, it must have a, a devastating psychological effect on a man who has given so much of his life and so much of his time to the service of the city. Yes. To the service of the city? <laughs> Why, you stupid proletariat problem, which is the Chicago media? You idiot. That is a conviction of corruption. How, what is the untold cost of the Democrat mafia corruption? How many lives ruined? How many people bankrupted? Businesses out of business? How many suicides? Do you think Ed Burke's going to pull a Joey Pantangelo? I don't think so either. Because he knows he'll never do a day. He's already got the hotline in that Denny Hassard. Let me borrow the wheelchair. Fraud. He's still alive too. Hope he's not wrestling with any boys. The closing arguments, his, his defense attorney said... Ed Burke, it's his family, uh, his city, and his God. Those are the hallmarks of his life. 
This is on the heels of a conviction of extortion. And these are Chicago reporters. And this is why he got away with it for a lifetime. I wonder how many half-ass, good-for-nothing gangster wannabes out there would sell a conviction at 80 years old to get away with it as the king of the city for 54 years. Is there anybody that would say no to that? It's the most successful mob story in American history this far. And to have this, at least one count so far guilty, that has got to be devastating to a man who is about to turn 80 years old. So what? For five decades, he stole and robbed from the good, honest workers, the good, honest people of the city. And look at he's being eulogized as if he was an asset rather than the crux, the nucleus, the acorn of the Democrat short in the pants mafia, which is what he is. And here's the other thing. How many other wannabe half ass gangsters are still rich because they were connected to him? I don't know. Whatever happened to those meatheads he calls kids. Doesn't he have more than one? I can't tell. They all look the same to me. In the meantime, what about all his law partners? How much money did this gangster generate for the underworld? That's why he's being eulogized by those who admire crime syndicates called reporters in Chicago. Uh, In just days, in eight days. And who really has taken on the mantle of the city historian, the city guardian of the police department. He's why you're laughed at nationwide. Him and his La Cosa Nostra, short in the pants though they may be. He is why you're a laughing stock. Why hedge funds don't buy real estate. Why the commercial real estate market is devastated. Why the once great city is not only a laughing stock nationwide, but a ghetto. That's the cost of the Ed Burke Mafia. He has really taken on a lot of the city's responsibilities and it's honor, so to say. To, to... It's, if it wasn't happening, You wouldn't believe it if I said it without hearing the voices of these buffoons of not only a city that's collapsing before your very eyes, but riddled in waste, fraud and abuse, scandal and open syndicate operations. And it still goes on. See a man who had done so now have his honor compromised by a guilty verdict in a federal courtroom. His honor compromised. Just how freaking stupid. How many diplomas does this ass hat have? How many diplomas? Honor? This is the absence of honor, you fraud. He's convicted of mafia extortion. Is something that uh, no one wants to see, but I think it sends a very clear message. No one wants to see. Every honest person wants to see it. You You just don't hang around with him because you're a Chicago reporter. Now, I wonder if Paul Lisnick, Juneteenth Day, I wonder if that... Forest Preserve Lurch. I wonder what he's going to say. You think it'll, it'll mirror the same musings of the asshats pretending to be media? For five decades, this is why he got away with it. Because he operated with impunity. To other aldermen, that this is no longer an acceptable practice. <laughs> Surely you jest. And I'm guessing you want to be called Shirley. So 13 of the 14 Ed Burke found guilty. He will face prison time. How much? It could be as high as 20 years that likely not to happen since he will be turning 80. And uh, also, well, also, he's got a lot of clout in the court system. You see, we discussed how his wife at 42 years old went to law school and became a Supreme Court justice of Illinois with no experience. That's some clout. That's cheese, baby. So you think he's going to get he's just going to show up in the wheelchair. 
with that underbite. Maybe he'll even take off the $60,000 gold Irish Rolex. It wasn't me. I didn't get away with it. And maybe, maybe the Federal Bureau of Incompetence or forever bothering Italians won't look at his cohorts in corruption. Maybe he'll get away with it even still. Take into account the good that he has done over the years. Which is that? Is this Marianne Ahern, the the enemy of all Stairmasters everywhere? Yeah, Marianne, which good is that, Chubby? Which one are you talking about? And the the, the federal sentencing guidelines do take into account the health of the uh, defendant in this case. So I think we can... Why? Why would you take... Do you know the mafia doesn't take into the health of their victims? Oh, no. They'll break your legs. They'll throw you in a river. The mafia and the way this half-assed gangster wannabe operated, he didn't take into account the financial situations, the age of the victims of his extortion and corruption. See, but everybody feels sorry for Ed Burke and the the short-in-the-pants mafia. And these are the same scum that celebrate the financial ruin of Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in New York. He's listing debts of up to $500 million, assets of up to just $10 million. Now, you, you know what's funny as you hear the contempt for Giuliani and the sorrow for Ed Burke is that Giuliani made his legacy before being mayor by putting away gangsters. So now I want you to understand. If you think that it's just guys who grow up in my kind of neighborhood that like the movie The Godfather that talk fondly of gangsters, oh, no, 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 no. It's the Maragon. It's the American scumbag that wants something for nothing. The reporter whose name starts with an O and an apostrophe, or they wish that they were getting some money from it, that sit by and cheer for the true gangsters, the true cost of corruption, the very reason once great cities are now ghetto hellholes. They cheer for them. And they besperge Rudy Giuliani. This comes just one day after a federal judge ruled Giuliani has to immediately pay that $148 million that he owes to two former Georgia elections. How much money does Ed Burke have to pay? I mean, what's Ed Burke's net worth? What's the worth of his law firm? I know. What are the worth of his partners? Maybe we could gauge. How many hundreds of millions did Ed Burke get away with? And who does he have to pay? Gatsangul. That's why it's the most successful mob story in American Chicago history this far. And workers. NBC's Ken Delanian is following this for us, also with me, former federal prosecutor and MSNBC legal analyst. By the way, Rudy Giuliani has to pay that no matter what, even if he files bankruptcy? Yeah, that's particular. That's kind of crazy. Carol Lamb. All right, Ken, I just got my hands on this. It's pretty thick. I haven't gone through all of it. Walk us through this bankruptcy filing and what it means. So the main debt that he lists in this filing, Chris, is the $148 million he owes to Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. And that appears to have been the tipping point here. He also owes more than a million dollars to some uh, lawyers uh, who are suing him. And he lists some other theoretical notional debts that could occur in lawsuits where he is a defendant. For example, Hunter. So the reporters in the country want Rudy Giuliani to be homeless, left with nothing. Rudy Giuliani. Started out as a prosecutor, putting away gangsters. Rudy Giuliani, who sold a few books. They know every penny he made, but nobody knows how much money the short-in-the-pants gangster stole for generations. Nobody knows about the legacy he's passed on to his meathead, fruit of his loins and whatnot, who grew up in the lap of luxury, driven around by coppers. Yet nobody can figure it out. But let's go bankrupt Rudy. 
Biden is suing him for defamation. Uh, Smartmatic, the voting company, suing him. So, so he he's listing potential debts, uh, and and that goes up to five hundred million dollars. But so here's the thing about this hundred and forty-eight million dollar judgment. It it is likely not dischargeable in bankruptcy because it resulted from willful and malicious acts. Willful and malicious acts. That should have been the name of Burke's law firm. Because that's what he did every minute of every day. He was awake and not drunk at Rush Street with $30 whores that I wouldn't go near with a 10-foot pole hanging off his arm. And in the meantime, what about his money? He gets to keep it? Does he get to hide it? What do you think they're doing with all of those commas? See in the next few months a deeper exploration of Ed Burke's health, where he stands as an 80-year-old, can he uh, survive? How old is Rudy? How old is Rudy? And Rudy allegedly offended two dingbats. What was their What was their potential earnings? What was their past earnings? In the meantime, Ed Burke destroyed the quality, the lives, and the business of millions in the city of Chicago, tens of thousands of business owners. Where's his money? I want to know where the money is. A, uh, a prison sentence, and there are other options available to the judge at this point, too. There are lesser uh, prisons, you know, where we can serve essentially easy time like Oxford. Rudy Giuliani is 79? Well, they were born in the same year. See, they were raised by two different kinds of people. In fact, Ed Burke took his father, another corrupt scallywag, short-in-the-pants Democrat mafia member, when he bit the dirt. He took his position at 24 years old. Oh, he didn't Win it by the people. He was appointed it by other Democrat committeemen in a secret ballot. You see, what this is, is the way it's going to get done forever. The way it was done before Eddie got the job at 24. This is the Chicago Democrat way. And it's going to get away with it. Ed Burke may take the pinch. But this is who was really found guilty. Was every freaking Democrat in the once great city. Now something you avoid called Chicago. 312-642-5600. So, uh, how are you doing? Broadcasting from the Petri dish of corruption known as the state of Illinois. In the upper Midwest. In the nation and around the world. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560. The answer. AM560. The answer. You know, I was, uh, before this scallywag whore was convicted that I thought for certain was going to skip out of there like uh, Gene Kelly. Before he was convicted, a friend of mine, who I loved to death, had his mother pass away a year after mine in 2009. He was an Oak Park resident, and he sent me, he actually came in the store, and he showed me uh, this voter thing that his mother got, signature card. His mother's been dead 24 years. I'm sorry, 14 years. Dead for 14 years. Cook County wanted an update of her signature after he's been reporting her dead since the year she died. And then you realize this is the kind of city it is because his mother, like so many of your dead relatives, has been in the voter rolls. And if not just specifically for voting when they need the votes, because they get to keep the congressional numbers so that the federal government redistributes taxes they collect based on population. And this scam exists Because of crooked politicians who never want to clean those rolls. Because they like the mafia game. There isn't anybody honest in the Democrat mafia system who fights for the idea of righteousness. Which is why you hear 
in a city that has been devastated by this very corruption for five decades by this one player. And the way it's being touted by the so-called reporters tells you it's never going to end when you live with Democrats. Wisconsin, there are also other options to keep him home and on other kinds of monitoring things. But almost certainly he will walk into a federal prison at some point in the next few months. Uh, Why are you so long in the face? Why are you so blue? You should be cheering. You should be, he should be on a 24-hour watch so he doesn't take the Pantangelo way out. For the, for the remaining years of his rat life, he should at least be in the gallows, shouldn't he? No. Let him enjoy the spoils of his corruption, like he has for his entire fracking life. Worth nothing, yet very rich. More rich than 99% of the Chicagoans who have to live with the cost of his corruption. All right. Donna, countryside. Hey, Sean. Who did Burke piss off is really the question here. So, he's been doing Gotta be a fed. Years. It's nobody in Chicago. He's the king of the city. So it had to be some fed. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe it's just a speed bump. So people take this big fish and they don't try to go up the chain. Because if you go up the chain, you know who you get, right, Donna? You know who you get if you go up the chain. In fact, if you go up the chain... Boy, it could lead you all kinds of uncomfortable, all kinds of uncomfortable places. Where's my clip here, honey bunny, of Maria Bartiroma in the morning? Which one was that? That was a great one. I will get it after I get to the line. Uh, Mike, Moni and Mokina. Oh, Sean, you are so right. I grew up in the 19th Ward in Beverly, okay? All right. My dad said 60 years. He called the muddy guns, too, just like you did. <laughs> 60 years these guys have been going on, and yeah. he said the Irish piles are worse than the mafia because they make the rules, and then they break them, yeah. and they, do, they, they get away with murder. I, am, I hope Mike Madigan is next. Because oh, yeah. Well, have, but here's the it, thing, brother. You're, think, right, you're right on, buddy. You're right you. on, Sean. Thank you, babe. You know, they're 80 years old. They're 80 years old. So now it's convalescing on the people's dime. And in the meantime, you're talking about some serious money. And... Uh, that's not going to be investigated. In fact, we're going to bankrupt Rudy. Anonymous, Chirac. Hey, I got to tell you, I worked on his inner sanctum back in 84 before he was somebody. All right. And he had police on the payroll. The entire basement of, the, of his sanctum was secured with Chicago police upper echelon. Oh, yeah. The second, the second floor was all his age. It looked like city hall with the big mayoral doors king of the city baby the residents were on the upstairs but anyways not one dime was paid for that house it was all gratis oh come on this guy never paid for anything he had his entire posse was paid for by the city of chicago by the people of chicago what you're talking about is a security team what do you have eight guys eight guys two vehicles they'd run and get him pizza and now all of a sudden he's going to be eulogized like a great man? He's not a quarter of the man Rudy Giuliani is. Not a tenth of the man. And the same reporters will, 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 will chant for Rudy Giuliani to be bankrupted and left homeless. Listen, he had two sets of cables for phone lines the diameter of my bicep brought into the basement. His yeah. call center with people that could reach out to him was phenomenal. And, and that's why I said... In my mind, was why the FBI, with all those phone lines, 
took till this long to be able to bust him. And that's why I said to you, when you go up the food chain, who do you hit? You hit the other guy. The guy that's soiling the Oval Office today. Goes all the way. This is, this is the modus operandi of the Democrat short-in-the-pants mafia. Welcome back. House Oversight Committee investigators receiving new witness testimony from an AmeriCorps Health trustee that the $200,000 check that James Biden paid President Joe Biden could only have come from predatory loans or senior citizens' money fraudulently invested by one of James Biden's business partners. The trustee also told the committee that their company paid James Biden $600,000 after he promised to use his last name, Biden, uh, to get his Middle Eastern contacts, contacts to help them raise capital. Middle Eastern contacts? Why would James Biden and the Irish short-in-the-pants mafia, the Democrat wing, have contacts in the Middle East. How could this be? All the way up to Joe Biden. And when Joe Biden comes to Chicago, up until now, where does he go, squirrel? Ed Burke's house. And he kisses the ring. The company says James Biden did not deliver, and now they are suing him, demanding he pay back the $600,000 he was given. Drinks are on the house. We'll be back after this. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560. The answer. AM560. The answer. 1968. You know, Squirrelly got deferments? Sure he did, like all the rest of the short-in-the-pants mafia. Not that I disagree with that. There was a war promoted by the government for nothing. Uh, he got deferments from Vietnam because he said he got married and he was in love. And uh, he ended up getting it because he was in school. Then the old man died. He was appointed. Not not elected. He wasn't elected. It's the Chicago way. He was appointed. Well, there's a cost of that corruption. And the cost is what you see as the once great city has devolved into a third world. And it's not just that one. It's anywhere Democrats, short-in-the-pants mafia, is in control. The corruption costs are staggering. The latest U.S. Census data shows more New Yorkers are moving out than anywhere else in the entire country. The new U.S. Census Bureau report showing the Empire State lost more than 100,000 people between July this year and the last. One and of by eight- the way, that's with the dead people still on the voter rolls, like so many of the people we know. States which saw their populations fall this year behind New York or other Democrat-run states, California, Illinois, and Pennsylvania. All mafia control, where Ed Burke and the reporters are sad when he gets finally caught after 54 years of mafia rule. Richard on the south side. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Good, Richard. How are you? All right, just just got out of work, Sean. I'm in a union. It's not a public sector union. It's all right. There are hey, public we're, sector we're, we're, guys we're, that are we're, good guys, too, but I just go after the management. Right. Sean, the short we're, the pants we're all guys. with you. We're all with you. This is for your listeners, Sean. We're sitting on a gold mine. We don't realize it. We are sitting on a gold mine. <laughs> At work, I play your rants in the morning. When I get in the car, you've already gone through your first 15, 20 minutes. I got to go back and listen. Sean, oh, you take your car to Sam's Club. You take your car to Myers. Jewel, you sit out front, you blast your Bluetooth through your speakers, and you educate those people out there. You are succinct, you're to the point, and your enthusiasm, and we're just going to educate these people, and we flip people. I flip people at work, just playing you. I love it, Richard. You stay on the line, because you had me when... uh... 
you know, you said you listened to me on the Bluetooth. That's good enough for me. You get a shirt. Thank you, handsome. Appreciate the call. It's a brave guy. Huh? Love it. And you know what? I know what's funny. I get friends of mine, mainly people that love me. And they're like, oh, you know, why don't you tone it down? Tone it down. For what? These half-assed gangsters have been banking on the fact that people are afraid to point out what they are. I never was when I would see this clown at Tavern on Rush with his cheesy Rolex and his hookers with the pinstripe suit acting like he was a success. You're not a man. See, that guy I talked to, that union hardworking guy, he's twice the man. Ed Burke and anybody in his short-in-the-pants mafia is. He's the tough guy, not you, bums. And this idea you're going to go to prison. Do you not think I know how that works? See, you know, when you think of prison, you get pictures in your mind of all those old movies with rows and rows of guys behind bars. But it wasn't like that for wise guys. It really wasn't that bad, except that I missed Jimmy. He was doing his time in Atlanta. I mean, everybody else in the joint was doing real time, all mixed together, living like pigs. But we lived alone. I mean, we own the joint. Even the hacks we couldn't bribe would never rat on the guys that we did. The neighborhood had respect. People loved one another. Right. You left your doors open. Sorry, it took so long. Skinny guards getting to be a real skinny. See, only this time, instead of wise guys doing it, it's reporters. Remember when Ed Burke was stealing just an acceptable amount? You leave your doors open. Wasn't half as bad as now. And the idiots can't put two and two together and understand the reason we're here is because of him and his short-in-the-pants mafia. Now, somebody get me a dollar amount. What did he make? How much is he worth? Oh, I know. Is it investments? Yeah, investments. Like me. Like good, honest people, right? He's a bum and always was a bum. Don in Bloomingdale. Hey, Sean, I remember when they, well, I don't remember because I wasn't around, but when they pinched Al Capone, the uh, the reporters were back then saying how philanthropic he was. He always nice. took care of them. You know what the hardest part about these half-assed wise guys is? They actually walk around like they did something with their life. Like they're worth yeah. something. Like they earned the money. You're not half the man a guy pumping gas an honest man is. You're not half. And now he's going to walk around with his slick back hair. He's a freaking punchline. And they all are. Every single one of them. Thank you. You're the reason they got the low urinals. Not a man. Lloyd and in Gary, Indiana. Hey, how you doing tonight, Sean? I'm a little happy and aggravated all at the same time. It's wonderful. It's a cornucopia of emotions. How about you? I hear you. I hear you. Hey, remember once upon a time they were going to have that uh, bypass going from uh, 55 to 65, the <laughs> Illinois Express? Or... Please. You know, I-, I thought then when they were talking about that, it was going to be a big U-turn. You're heading towards Chicago. Mm-hmm. Make a U-turn. You know how much money this guy made on all of that? You know how many kickbacks and long and schemes? How about Hassert? All of a sudden, he's rolling around with boys in tights. Next thing you know, he's worth millions. How do you do it? Oh, they were going to put an airport and an expressway. Then he mysteriously bought the farmland. You scum, low-life rat bastards. They're not half of the men of a guy working at Ace Hardware, making minimum wage, but honest. He's twice as rich as you'll ever be, scumbag. Uh, George in Naperville. Sean, we just got the news that we're not going to have a white Christmas in Chicago land. Everything is going against us. These Democrats are ruining us. <laughs> yeah, the white Christmas. Yeah, you're, I'm glad. Get the hell out of here before it snows. Rich in Indiana Park. Hey, Sean, how you doing tonight? Wonderful. What I wanted to say is I have two things. Uh, 
the first thing is, is I uh, heard some comparison by some uh, some dummy on uh, MSNBC who's trying to compare uh, this case that the uh, state uh, made towards this person uh, to throw him off the ballot because he wasn't a natural-born citizen. Well, if you know anything, you have to be a natural-born citizen to be the... What are you talking about? Who, what do you, I don't understand. What you're ta- who's in, who, who do they want to throw off? Because they're saying who's not a natural born citizen. Who on the ballot no, is not? This, this, this was a comparison they were going to make about how the state can uh, throw somebody off the ballot. Oh, I don't know. The comparison, the comparison they were trying to make was there was a person at one time who was going to run for the presidency, but he wasn't a natural born citizen. So the state threw him off the uh, yeah. off the ballot, which they're supposed to because you can't run. Oh come on, Rich! Come on, yeah, I know. All right, Barack Obama was born in Honolulu. Okay, sure. No, no, no. Climate change Barack is Obama. real. COVID vaccine is safe, and it was a uh, bat. All right, what else you want no, me to that, swallow? That, that was a, that was it. Oh, all right. And that, they're trying to compare that to what you know. Trump, you know, listen. Do me a favor. Trump's this is the point of my whole first hour. If a reporter in a Democrat sewer is saying something, understand it's a lie. It's propaganda. Like they've been propagandizing the most obvious gangster. And here's the other thing I want to tell you. Everybody knew what Ed Burke was from the guys who worked at the car wash to the accountants, to the lawyers, to the insurance company owners. Everybody knows what it is. It's a La Cosa Nostra. It's a joke. It's a punchline. So to hear these verdicts coming down, it must have a, a devastating psychological effect on a man who has given so much of his life and so much of his time to the service of the city. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I kept the service of the city. The service of the city. You mean the cancer of the city? The cancer that's driven out honest businesses, financial hub? The one that's responsible for the vacancies of over 7 million square feet of commercial space? You mean that? Is that the service he gave you, stupid son of a dog? Don't worry, though. You got a great future in Chicago media. You might go all the way to the end. You'll even get an award at the end. Maybe you'll get one of those Ed Burke gold Rolexes. 312-642-5600. Marxists, socialists, and communists are not welcome. On the Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Think about all the five and a half decades. Everybody who came to town, they flaunted the fact that he was a mafia don. Kiss the ring. Really, what a freaking joke. Dave Barrington. Hey, Sean. First, want to wish you a very Merry Christmas to you and your family and a Happy New Year. Oh, I appreciate that. Of course, of course we got to put on our seatbelt coming into 2024. One simple point I just wanted to share with you. The last time the Democrats removed a Republican from the primary, it was Abraham Lincoln. 1860, right? Republican Party was six years old, something like that, and they took him off because... Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. (laughs) You know, I was a Lincoln buff, man, and uh, I got to tell you, it's a very complex presidency, right? Good and bad. And, uh, you know, the way it's propagandized, I think, is too simplistic. You know, for instance, slavery was already gone in 13 states, right? It wasn't it wasn't legal. They had freedom. I think slavery was doomed from the 
inception of our nation anyway. But it's very interesting when you think about how he trampled on states' rights and then deployed the military on Americans. That's the part I just can never wrap my head around. Because he was winning the argument. First of all, that wasn't even his argument. The argument of anti-slavery wasn't really his. He adopted it when it was politically expedient to him. But it's an interesting time. You know who I love to have a conversation with this about, or or with whom, is Thomas DiLorenzo. Did you ever read any of Thomas DiLorenzo? No, I have not. You Uh, will. I'm going to tell you, Dave, I could tell. I've heard about it. I could tell. Just just take a look at it. First of all, he's a brilliant guy. I've had the pleasure. We've had him on the show twice. Just take a a, a, a glimpse at some of his. It's very thought provoking when you because you know he was a scallywag when it came to making money. You know he was a lawyer for the railroad, and he knew where they were going to buy land. He had a law partner, half-ass law partner, who he would send out to buy the land. Then he, on behalf of the railroad, would negotiate it from him, and they would make a ton of money. Very interesting because he wasn't broke. The only thing I want to yeah. the only thing I want to say is. State rights, I think that's going to be in somewhat of the near future rechallenged on a massive, massive basis. Dave, it's so interesting you say that. I couldn't agree more with you. I couldn't agree more with you. And when you look at the way these Democrat mafia run areas yep. are, are rewriting the electoral maps, and that's why they keep the dead people on the rolls and they're, they, they, they declare themselves sanctuary city, it has nothing to do with it. It's because they need the financial fraud in having fake population. It's fascinating. But I agree with you. Keep this keep keep this seatbelt on. Oh, I love it, Dave. Thank you very much. Strap in. It's gonna get bumpy. Kevin Austin, Texas. Sean, your story of uh, Abraham Lincoln and the land speculation reminds me of. Do you know when you drive down two ninety the expressway and it kind of bends a little bit? Yeah. Uh, to the left. That's because they were aldermen back then when they were building <laughs> two ninety. I'm not lying. You can look it up. They were buying a 290. Some aldermen got involved, and then some of the feds didn't like it, so they changed where 290 was going to drive. It's the Eisenhower. Well, Donnie Hassert, he followed the Abraham Lincoln of profiteering no, from policy. Yeah, no, I know. And I wanted to say this. The reason they started going after Madigan and Burke is because it's a fight between the north side and the south side. So it was the south side Irish pop, uh, politicians, and I understand you don't like the Irish because yeah, no, I like. I, listen, I got no, I got no problem against Irish people. It's the Irish short in the pants mafia that destroys the quality of life. Calling themselves Democrats, I don't like. Right, right, Come right, on. exactly. And so it's the working class Irish, but it's it's, it's a it's a classic. It's the North Side versus the South Side. That's why the South, the, the really, Irish, Kevin? regular working working class population. Do you really think so, like Kevin? You ever grow up no, with no. any drug dealers, Kevin? You ever grow up with any drug no, dealers? No. Sometimes I know more than you think. I know. Sometimes when the heat is on, Kevin. A drug dealer will actually turn in another drug dealer. Oh, now you're going to hang up on me. No, I, I, I'm definitely going to hang up on you. Uh, he'll turn in another drug dealer because he wants the heat off him, and they celebrate the victory. So it's just a little focus movement. That's all this is. Nothing different. Because they don't want it to go all the way up. Because if they start thinking, boy, who was kissing Ed Burke's ass just very, very recently? I mean, who was right there kissing Ed Burke's ass? Just a couple of months ago, I know it was uh, it was the other guy. Welcome back. House Oversight Committee investigators receiving new witness testimony from an AmeriCorps health trustee that the two hundred thousand dollar check that James Biden paid President Joe Biden could only have come from predatory loans or senior citizens money. Maybe they'll open up all kinds of scams. See, because if you get private companies to loan these half ass gangsters money then it completely stays off the books. And it's a shakedown 
with a cover on it. Oh, I wonder how many times that happened. I wonder how many insurance companies, how many, how many people had to hire Ed Burke's law firm? I mean, aside from Donald Trump, who had to hire Ed Burke's law firm. Mike and Elgin. Yeah, hi, Sean. Hi. Hey, uh, did you know Jefferson Davis, you know, they threw him in jail after the, you know, after the Civil War and wanted to bring him to trial for insurrection. And then they decided not to. They cut, wanted to cut a deal with him, and he wouldn't do it because he wanted to prove that it wasn't an insurrection. It was just that they were succeeding from the Union. Did you know he something, Mike? Do you know that the only the insurrection, this, this so-called crime, do you know it's, it's, it's not actually the crime that can be charged outside of Congress? You know that, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. a law. I mean, after all, we're a country right. born of an insurrection. How could it be illegal? Yeah. We're a country born of anarchists who, who staged an insurrection against the king. How could the country that's legacy in life based on an insurrection have insurrection as illegal? It's only something yeah. Congress can do to prevent Confederates from running again. But then again, you know what Confederacy was called? When you nullified federal law. And if you follow that train of thought, sanctuary cities and states would be Confederate. But see, we don't follow the rules when Democrats in charge. We follow the crime. 312-642-5600. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560. The answer. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like a job for me, so everybody... So as we know, being from the capital of mafia corruption, posing as a political party here in Chicago, we understand what the judicial system turns into as two sitting Cook County judges are on an investment vehicle called the Table of Wisdom LLC with now convicted gangster Ed Burke, and it was known as business as normal for 54 years. So we understand when uh, Democrat-appointed judges just make laws up and rule against anybody they don't like, like they did in Colorado. But what I'm worried about is how cowards all latch onto each other. Is now California, Maine, Mississippi are all exploring the same bastardization of our law. So I want to I want to get to the crux of it. Is it legal for anybody other than Congress to charge anybody with insurrection? Let's ask somebody who knows. You see, he's a member of the Federalist Society and the Bar Association. He's the Vice President of Legal Affairs at Landmark Legal Foundation. He is Mike O'Neill, counselor, solicitor. Uh, what do you prefer, barrister? What do you like? Any of the above, Sean. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you and your family. So, really, I, I, as I'm understanding and as I go through this idea, I first heard the word before the so-called breach of the Capitol by what appears right. to be FBI agents. Um, I, 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 This word insurrection, insurrection, and I thought to myself, well, if it was an actual insurrection, wouldn't I be there and wouldn't there be weapons? But there wasn't. So I heard it bantied around, and it was at that point, being from Chicago, I realized the bastardization of language is very important, and that right. sets the tone for the future. And that's why it was called an insurrection, when it was a bunch of right. pot-bellied old men and women meandering around. Right, exactly. And that was... and. Why is that? Well, because there's a provision, an heretofore obscure provision of the 14th Amendment, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, 
says that, and again, this is this is the Fourteenth Amendment that was passed in the Reconstruction era, right after the, it was ratified, right after the United States Civil War, our Civil War. So keep in mind the context here. It was, and it states that an individual who has engaged, who has violated their oath of office and is engaged in insurrection is ineligible to serve as an officer of the United States. Well, there's a lot of questions with that. Whether the, the first question, one of the first questions is whether the presidency classifies as an officer of the United States. That's a legal, a legal question. Another question is whether Donald Trump engaged in insurrection or incited others to in, engage in insurrection on January 6th and the days leading up to it. Certainly. And then, of course, your fundamental question here is whether it is an insurrection. Let's look back for a second, step back and say, well, what did the drafters of the 14th Amendment, this section, intend when they used the word insurrection? Well, this was right in the right after the, the Civil War. That was the insurrection that they were thinking of. The, the Civil War, this was this was a section that was designed to apply to Confederate generals, Confederate politicians. For example, Jefferson Davis. They didn't want somebody like Jefferson Davis, who was the president of the Confederacy. Going Robert back to E. Lee. Yeah, they don't want exactly. Any. Robert E. Lee, any any of these individuals going back to their home state and then serving in Congress or serving as their state Which, was readmitted to the union, getting elected because maybe, maybe they were still popular there, getting elected and then serving in the Senate or serving in the United States in the Congress. And this is what this provision was designed to do. It was designed to prevent these individuals from serving as federal officers of the United States. Never, ever. And again, it hasn't been used. It hasn't been applicable. There's very up, up until the past few years or it actually past few years there hasn't even been really much scholarship on it because nobody's ever addressed it well this provision has now been weaponized by the left to apply to donald trump and they got a lower court to go about halfway there in colorado the lower court in colorado the trial court held this held a procedural quote-unquote trial it wasn't a trial like you and i think about it but they held a proceeding and then where they held where they concluded the judge concluded that he did engage in insurrection but he was not an officer of the United States, so refused to take him off the ballot. Well, the, the Colorado Supreme Court take, took the next step, said he is an officer. He did engage in insurrection. Therefore, he is no longer eligible to serve as, an, as the president of the United States, and his name cannot appear on the ballot for the state of Colorado. So I've been around these half-assed gangsters my whole life. I understand how they operate. Okay, But here's, here, here's the, the position that I always thought would win was the truth and the fact. Mm-hmm. The truth is on January 6th, 2021, Donald Trump was the president. How could you have an insurrection against a government you're the chief and in control of? Number one. So the word right there is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not an insurrection. So the idea that he incentivized people to breach his own government makes absolute no sense to me. That's just being mm-hmm. a smart ass layman. That's number one. Number two, where's the weapons? If I'm going to overthrow a government, you could go to any third world hellhole. If they're going to overthrow the government, there will be assaults of weapons and shooting and mayhem. None of that and none of that existed. The other thing I have is we're a country born of an insurrection. And it gives you a, a little time to focus on kind of the, 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 the misuse of law way back when. Because I disagree with its inception of the idea that you could implement such a law to nullify the very principle of a nation built on federalism. But, I mean, I want to get in the weeds with the Civil War. I want to explore the, the beauty and the, and, the, and the chaos of it, the terrible bastardization of it. I want to talk about the 34,000 guys who were, who were not in the states that were in the conflict but spoke against the idea that the government would release the military on its own citizens and were put in prison. I want to talk about the suspension of Moran. I want to talk about it all. 
habeas corpus. The habeas corpus, yeah. Right. And well, well, in particular here, what is what is really egregious, and this stands out, and you're kind of you're kind of getting at this, is the frustration. What essentially this court did, the Supreme Court of Colorado did, was disenfranchise the millions of voters in the state of Colorado who would be poised to vote for Donald Trump in a primary election and then in a subsequent general election. And what happens is, in our democracy, as you well know, Sean, that voting, that we have release valves. So if, if, if the citizenry is frustrated, the citizenry can take action, can organize, can vote. Well, what happens when you take away that right to vote, when you take away your right to self-determination, like what you're getting at right there? It's tyranny. It, it, it creates a very, exactly, it creates a road to tyranny and a very, very dangerous precedent. What's really been, what's really been out, kind of outlandish to me is this weaponization and this precedent that this is now established. Well, if Donald Trump supposedly, in, in, in their mind, if Donald Trump engaged in insurrection by giving a speech on the ellipse, and I'll say that his speech, and I've looked at his speech, and I've looked at the language he used, the days leading up to it, and the speech on January 6th, that language is protected speech under the First Amendment. It, there's a test, there's, a, there's a, a Supreme Court case that's applicable, and his speech is protected speech. He did not incite anybody to engage in lawlessness or insurrection. At the lower, just to get a little bit into the weeds on this, well, you, say, you might ask the question, well, how did they find it out? How did the trial court conclude that he, he was encouraging others to engage in this? He was inciting others to engage in insurrection. Well, at the trial court level, again, this proceeding, which wasn't really a trial, they called in this witness who is we call the Trump, the, the MAGA Trump whisperer, who said who was able to discern somehow that Donald Trump was speaking in code to his supporters and they understood what he was saying. And so that's the stretch that you're having to go to. These are the links that you're having to go to to to, to underline your legal theory here. And again, let me just make one more point here this is the precedent that we've established now. Now, can I say that uh, Rashida Tlaib, when she gives a speech that she's supporting the pro-Palestinian demonstrators that are, on the cap- that are right, on the, right on the grounds of the U.S. Capitol adjacent to the Democratic National Committee, when Chuck Schumer stands on the, the, uh, the steps of the United States Supreme Court and says, oh, Gorsuch, oh, Kavanaugh, you're going to reap the whirlwind in- unless you uphold Roe versus Wade. Oh, uh, when Kamala Harris, when she's serving as a senator, is expressing uh, sympathy and is expressing support for BLM, who proceeds to go on and burn... Uh, you, uh, courthouses throughout the country. Have all of those politicians engaged in insurrection? Are they now ineligible to serve in, as federal officers? This yeah. is the precedent we've gotten into. This is the weaponization of this section well, of, the, of the 14th Amendment. It's a very dangerous time for us, Sean. Oh, absolutely, because it's a customized bastardization of language. Right. Like liberal. That's a customized bastardization oh, of, of liberal. These are gangsters. These are Marxists. These are socialists. These are communists. They're government yeah, supremacists. Don't use the word liberal anymore. But Sean. I never do. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like a stone in my you know. shoe. I go crazy when oh, someone does it. Me, me as well. It drives me crazy, too. It's, they're not Marxist. Yeah. Marxist. And, socialist. Exactly. And the thing of it is, they win the argument because what happens is, there's only, you know, in Chicago, there's a great thing to look up. In Chicago today, a, a, a gangster that everybody knew was a gangster for 54 years was found I know, guilty. I saw that. Okay. okay. Yeah. But my, my overall arching point is this. For 54 years, and by the way, he's being eulogized by media. For 54 years, the Chicagoans, in general, got used to that. And they got numb to the corruption, and they started to do what third world citizens do. They started to navigate and manipulate it, okay? And it's at that point that the cultivating of corruption is ingrained in you. This is what we're living through now. And the problem I have is these words that are being contorted are nullifying who we are and why we should be proud. We are all beneficiaries of an insurrection. This country was based on the right of us to fight off not foreign adversaries per se specifically, but to fight off 
anybody who should take over our government and wield or misuse power against the citizens. That's the overarching base and foundation of Americanism. Right? That's why we have the Second Amendment and all of this. Freedom of speech, freedom of the press. It's all been corrupted to where so many of us... Right, but so many of us are longing to be slaves of favoritism. And that's what happens to my fellow Chicagoans. That's why I don't, I, I don't associate with Chicago Democrats. I, don't, I, have a, I have a little retail store. I don't let them in. If you vote Democrat, stay out. I don't want you around me. But that's my right. And do you know, it, it, that story, by the way, I did it after the election. They had the same right. guy who's talking about Ed Burkhardt say, well, it's his freedom of speech. You're damn right. Finally, that's exactly what we're, we're trying to implement among everybody. And I feel the same way about if you, you don't want to agree with freedom, then you could go stand on the, on the street corner from your soapbox and say you don't agree with it. However, when my government doesn't agree with it, now I got a problem. And the idea that just Democrats can selectively implement this kind of tyranny, I didn't think it could happen this easily. And, and what you're seeing is, again, this, the, the question here is now, what what's the next step, right? Is this going to, as you were saying before, there there are efforts underway. Now that this theory has taken root in one supreme, one state supreme court, there are already other efforts. California, you know, this, Maine, this the, Mississippi, right. they're going fast. This was, the, this was the first success, though. There have been a lot of defeats for them. These have been, the courts have generally shut this theory down and had and hadn't engaged in it. But this was their this was their first quote unquote win. Well, the Supreme Court is poised. The U.S. Supreme Court is poised to take this up. I am. Guardedly, you know, again, I, I don't hold me to it, Sean, but I am guardedly optimistic that 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 this decision of the Colorado Supreme Court is going to be reversed. Yeah. And I'll tell you why, because at again, I'm going to I'm speaking hypothetically here. Let's assume for purposes of our discussion that every argument they're making is is fine, is OK, is a, is a decent argument. Let's just assume that. Well, guess what? I can definitively tell you that our arguments about why the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is not applicable here are good arguments as well. And if you have two good arguments, then there's a doctrine that courts need to adhere to. And, they, and the Supreme Court will adhere to this and say, OK, well, it's a political question. We need, it to, we need to let the political realm handle this, i.e., we need to return this decision to the voters of the states of Colorado, in this case, Colorado, or in the, in the, in the individual states. This is a political question. We can, we can say, OK, you might have some good points, you might have some good points, but we are going to defer to the political process. And that's ultimately what's the real tragedy here is the fact that millions of people have been disenfranchised. If you want to win, win in the arena of ideas, win yes. in the arena of politics. Don't short circuit it by running to a court with some cockamamie theory that somehow Donald Trump is ineligible to serve as the next president of the United States. Well, you know, the beauty at the ballot box, if that's what, if that's what you want to do. Don't cheat the American people of their right to vote, the right, their right to choose who the next president of the United States is. There's a beauty in this, and the beauty in it is maybe to take away the uh, blindfold, how oftentimes the flag is used as a blindfold of patriotism against the people who have been living under an illusion. See, most Chicagoans know the guy who got convicted today, his wife didn't go to law school till after they raised her, she raised their kids. She was there 42 years old. She never did practice law. She graduates law school her crooked political whore politician husband has so much clout she goes on the supreme court of illinois she sat on the supreme court of illinois without ever going to law school in her 40s or ever being an attorney of any consequence and that's the kind of justices that misuse and bastardize the rule of law instead of being lawyers who are supposed to be who i rely on who are in love with the legal enlightenment as the shield of the honest man these are people who would have made 
every tyrant happy from the beginning of time to now. So that's what I'm hoping loses, because that's what we're witnessing with our own eyes in the year 2023 is the corruption, contortion, and bastardization of the rule of law. So I, I, I think it's, it's time people understand we're really not United States. We're extorted states. And if we don't get back and win these original arguments of the insurrection law in the first place, then what are we? Because I think every Confederate guy should have been able to run and go and be a congressman and let the argument ensue. Maybe we wouldn't have skipped merrily long to the bankruptcy totalitarian state we now live in. Well, I'll tell you what, it is, it is throwing, you're throwing matches on, on, a, on a powder cake. Yeah, I love that. You are, you, as, as you said, our country, is, our country is divided. And taking, again, going back to my original point, it, taking disenfranchising is just another another abhorrent, another horror that you're expecting half the population to, to swallow. You're, you're accepting that all of, these convict, all of these criminal proceedings are above board. All of these that, that, that Donald Trump is, is facing are above board. We're dealing, you're dealing with that. You're dealing with arguments now about presidential immunity. They're arguing, they're trying to, cir- the, the, the anti-Trump people are trying to cir- short circuit the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals and go right to the U.S. Supreme Court. They're trying to avoid the, the, the normal process for this. And it just, it's on and on and on. And so now, again, another another pill you want the population of this country to swallow. And again, this is a bridge too far. You're saying you can't even vote for who you may support for the yeah. president of the United States. It's, it's, it's dangerous, as I said. And what's, what's really amazing here is that this is all unprecedented. The, the weaponization and the shredding of the Constitution that's being done by the left. Look, they shredded the impeachment process. I remember back when, when Bill Clinton was impeached, that was a big deal. The whole country was paying yeah. attention to it. It was, it was important, right? Well, by the time the second Trump impeachment rolled around, and, and didn't, even get, you know, didn't even get below the fold. It wasn't even front-page news. Well, because that, that procedure, that august procedure that our framers envisioned and implemented and in, integrated in the Constitution has now been bastardized. Well, yeah. guess what? This Section 3 of the 14th Amendment now has been weaponized, and it's another quiver. In the, it's another arrow in the quiver of the left to use to bash their political opponents. You know what's shocking, though? It shows you the, the strength of, of hatred. Because you're talking, this could only be done if it's, because it's Donald Trump. He's the most hated and loved uh, a politician this country has ever seen. It's really something to watch the passion of the party that has never succeeded in one policy. That's the best part of the whole story that gets lost in the argument. This is a political party that has destroyed the quality of life of every area it rules over. Every policy it's ever passed has never worked to prediction or promise. And here we are watching them destroy the the future of our nation by implementing the past fascism that's destroyed so many others. It's fascinating to watch, Mike, and I hope your kids write about it because, you know, you and I will be in the dirt by the time they they do a, a philosophical examination of the American Dark Ages, which is unfortunately what I call now, but in the meantime, I know this doesn't times. this doesn't happen for free. Where can my people go to support Mike O'Neill and all of the wonderful attorneys at Landmark Legal Foundation? Uh, thanks, Sean. You can just check out our website landmarklegal.org. Landmarklegal.org. You can see a brief we wrote in Michigan. We're going to be preparing to write a brief for Oregon. And presumably we're going to be writing a brief at the Supreme Court, too, arguing all the stuff we've talked about. I love having you on. I love that you make time for me. Thank you again, Mike. My pleasure. Merry Christmas, Sean. Merry Christmas to you and your family. We'll be back with your calls and comments. He's Sean Thompson. Hello, Mr. Thompson. And this is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. I love talking... 
gangster tactics with good people. I really do. The idea that we allow these idiots to pose these fraud, red herring arguments. An insurrection! Shut your mouth, you morons. He was the freaking president, you idiot. He wanted to count because we know what you are. Nothing but gangsters. Every single one of you. And you got all your new ideas. We're President Biden's cabinet. Of course we launched American Climate Corps, a historic program mobilizing the next generation of climate resilience workers. Yeah, because I want you doing anything, climate resilience workers. You don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Just streaming words together. Another shakedown. Extortion racket. So you can get money from companies. And where's the money go? Like the transportation fine of Southwest Airline of $140 million. Where's the money? You rat bastards. I know where it is. It's in your pockets, like Ed Burke. We're President Biden's cabinet. Of course we're solving the climate crisis by putting young people on the path to good jobs. We're President Biden. Every one of your fracking jobs, every one of them doesn't exist. It's another stream of welfare. And by the way, to hear you idiots talk about jobs, it makes my whole day. Over 14 million jobs have been created under President Biden. That's every job lost in the pandemic, plus almost 15 million more jobs. Huh? Hey, moron. That's 29 million. How do you, I mean, I mean, can she think? This is what happens when you give people jobs because they don't deserve them. She can't think. She's never been right. She's not qualified, but she's a lesbian. Oh, yes. Not good at math, but man, she's good at other stuff. Over 14 million jobs have been created under President Biden. That's every job lost in the pandemic plus. Now, wait a minute. Before we get to the plus here, stupid, let's just go with the first part of the equation, shall we? Because the reality is there has not been one job. See, presidents don't create jobs. Hey, stupid. Presidents don't create jobs. We do the private economy. What you do is hire loyalty. And that is something you should brag about. Because in just the last jobs numbers in November, you, the corrupt government, hired directly 29,000 and indirectly 77,000. So that right there is well over 100,000, which means you didn't hire any actual people because the ebb and flow to break even in a country of our side is about 175,000 jobs. So in fact, all you've been doing is lying. And now it's so obvious, you're just streaming numbers together, aren't you, dummy? Almost 15 million more jobs. That's 29 million. And you didn't do any of that. But you're a Democrat. You don't have to do anything. Except lie, cheat, steal. Stick to what you're good at. Chuck and Delavan. Hey, uh, first of all, thanks for mentioning my garage band, uh, Eat Like Ed Burke. Nice. I wanted to tell you, uh, in case I didn't get a cut off tomorrow and I couldn't get through... Uh, thank you very much for letting me be on your show, oh, yeah. and I uh, wish you a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to your family. Oh, that means the world to me. You, too. I, I appreciate it, Santa. Thank you very much for calling and taking the time. Wasn't that nice? You know, do you ever see his Santa costume? Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. If it wasn't for that stench of Schlitz beer and Jack Daniels, I'd almost buy it. Stearns in Bolingbrook. <laughs> Oh, brother, I love you. You know that? You make my day. Thank you very much. I wanted to say, you know, how do we know if a government is tyrannical? I mean, is it if they tell you who you can vote for? Or is it if if they close down your business? Is it it if they tell you what kind of car you have to drive? Is it if, (laughs) if they tell you 
what insurance you have to buy. What exactly is a constitu or uh, what, what exactly is a tyrannical government? No because accountability the for the money. The Constitution says that we have the, the, that the law says that we can overthrow a tyrannical government. Oh, I listen. That's what the whole country is based on. And you know what, Stearns? It 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 it, it reminds me of when I woke up to it. I was very young. And when you get your taxes taken out of your check and you make some investments on the side and you go to your account, you're a young guy and you have no write-offs, right? Yeah. And, and you do okay and then you, you, make, you pay all of the money out of your income tax check. When you get your check every two weeks, right? You, they take 40% right. or whatever it is. And then if you make any investments, now you've got to cut these rat bastards another 40% of that. So there's yeah. no, and I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. If I lose the money, right, if I lose it, they're not here to give me a check. So you only take the winners, and you're not in for the losers. And then you limit me on whatever I can make outside of that. Then you tax me again if I'm good at it. And then when we ask you, what do you do with the money? You tell me none of my business. That's how you know it's tyrannical to me. I was about 18 years old, 19 years old, busting my ass in three jobs. And I said, look at these half-assed wise guys. And there wasn't anybody I could fight in a parking lot. That's why I am the way I am today. I'm trying to get beat up. Can't even get beat up, Stearns. Thank you very much. Craig, I'm on Greenwood. Hey, Sean. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. And, uh, and man, uh, a very uh, great Christmas celebration to you and your family. Thank you. You too. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, uh, you were talking about uh, these, uh, the way these uh, Democrats in these areas, like uh, where they run the city and all that stuff like that. New York, they're, supposed to, they're talking about a law where they're going to basically take a, a restaurant like uh, – Chick-fil-A, where you have Christians, where they want to work six days and be off. Yeah. They, have the, uh, they tell you when you open. Because they want you to know it's not your business. It's an illusion of your business. I've noticed that whenever you work in these Democrat sewers. They tell you when you can open. Yeah, They're so rotten and evil, they want to basically take and shut down and tell you that you take your pick. You either open up on Sunday or you end your business is over. And that just goes to show you. You talk about tyrannical... This is absolute tyranny going on in these Democrat That's areas. That's why the guy who started it, I think it's his son, so he's a trust fund baby anyway, but the guy who started it should do what they did in Atlas Shrugged. Now you burn down the Chick-fil-A's. Now there is no Chick-fil-A. How about now, fascist scum? You see, there's always an answer to this. But you know what there's never an answer to when it comes to the American government? Where's the money, scumbags? We are, as they say, uh, tangled in our anchor chain. Our financial systems are decades old. According to some estimates, we cannot track $2.3 trillion in transactions. That was we in cannot- 2001. The next day, a tower hit the budget office at the Pentagon, and we still never found it. In fact, since then, we've lost another $6 trillion. And this last audit of the so-called Pentagon revealed that they cannot account for 50 cents out of every dollar. But you... You slave, you better account for your money. And if you don't give them a cut, well then, unless your name is Hunter, Joe, or you're part of the short-in-the-pants mafia, you're going to pay. By the way, whatever happened to the Reverend of Perpetual Tax Evasion? No, not Jesse Jackson. The other one, with the big giant head who was fat, had the fat bastard surgery. The guy in New York, you know his name? Al Sharpton. Didn't Al Sharpton owe the government $4 million and it just went away? But why did Wesley Snipes, who owed the government a fraction of that, what do you do, four years for tax evasion? Boy, that's an interesting system where you can pick, you can choose who has to pay consequences of breaking the law, 
And then who gets away with it? It's an interesting, interesting system. But I'm starting to figure you guys out. You see, if you're enough, if you're, if you're, there's enough of you in on it, you can control entire states and no one will ask a fracking question. Like Illinois, right? And then when they catch you with your hand in the cookie well, jar. Plane. Not the private planes. When they catch you with your hand in the cookie jar, the reporters, they cry for you. The closing arguments, his, his defense attorney said, Ed Burke, it's his family, uh, his city, and his God. Those are the hallmarks of his life. That makes sense. I wonder what God's going to say of Ed Burke. I don't know how religion works, and I'm not very religious, but I hope to God. When I die, he hands me an axe and tells me they're in there, and I get to kick your ass for eternity. That's what I hope. Greg in LaGrange. How are you, Sean? Good. How are you? Good. I think that these are the problems that we're having right now, because once you implement a plan, if it's a nefarious plan, it gets pushed through, it gets enacted, and then it gets challenged in court. Well, it takes time to challenge it in court. And in the meantime, the plan is unwinding and settling in and getting public acceptance or indifference. So by the time that your case may go to court and you win, it's all over. Like in the case with Chick-fil-A. Yeah, you can actually shut that business down by coercion while they file a lawsuit. But if you're an independent owner of that Chick-fil-A, yes. you've got to make ends meet as a family. Greg, this is my life. biggest argument against the last year of the Trump administration. Who, who are you to give power to the government? to shut down private businesses. Because at least say what you are. You're a fascist organization. And it's not really anybody's business. It's the illusion of ownership. All that you have in this country are managers, not owners. The government tells you what to do. And look at these cities of Chicago. They tell you what to pay the people. It's not even between you and the worker. That's why you got to start to understand what we're dealing with. La Cosa Nostra, posed as a government. It's gangsterism. We'll be back after this. He believes in freedom, capitalism, and individual liberty. And because of that, he's become an enemy of the state. He's Sean Thompson, and this is The Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Now, I advise highly, if you can... Run away from the Democrat mafia because they tend to stay in power for about 54 years before anything's done and it destroys the quality of life. Or at least make sure your kids can. But not everybody can. I get that. Friends, family, they don't want to make themselves uncomfortable. I get it. In the meantime, there's other things you can do. And that's supporting like-minded people and only like-minded people. You're going to need a certain index for that. Some guidance. That's where Freedom Square comes in. Right, Chuck Barham? Sean, Merry Christmas, bud. Yes, exactly right. Thank you for that great intro. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And you know, this is something that I find important. You know, I, I, uh, when I'm in the store occasionally, which I really hate to be because uh, that means I'm back in Illinois. Whenever the door opens, I don't even like the idea, even though there's a sign on the wall or on the on the door that says "Biden voters keep out." I don't want to deal w- with anybody, so I want that guidance when I'm going somewhere. I don't want to accidentally enrich one of Ed Burke's sycophants who've been putting cocoa butter on his stretch marks for the last 54 years. You know what I mean? It's a great visual. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Big pasty white derriere. Sure. Go ahead. Ah, oh, good Lord. 
but you know, thank thankfully that uh, you know, thirteen out of fourteen uh, got indicted today, so or found guilty. So hopefully something happens, but yeah. doubtful. We'll see the appeal process. I didn't realize they had this play. many Southern Illinoisans on the jury. Yeah, no kidding. But hey, it's a start, right? Got to start right. somewhere, and that's yeah. that's what we're doing at Freedom Square. And Sean, I know I've been talking to you for the last three, four, five months here on your program, and I truly appreciate everything that you do. But I wanted to let you know that the Patriot profiles are now alive and well inside of Freedom Square. Wow. So if you want to see how your family and friends are doing, you go to Facebook. You want to see how America is doing, you go to Freedom Square. They're alive. Create your profile. Start connecting. Start posting. Start responding. Start liking. Start sharing. It's yeah. alive and well, plus the town crier is up and running, which I can't wait to receive my first uh, video from you to paste up there on top of uh, freedomsquare.com. It's all active and alive as of today. It's a Christmas miracle. Go on oh. and enjoy it. And it's there at freedomsquare.com. Download the app in the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or go on your desktop to freedomsquare.com. See how your country's doing. You go to freedomsquare.com, and that's what it's about, Sean. I absolutely. And start spending money with people that believe in what you believe in. I absolutely love it. Chuck Barham, it's about time you give some competition to people who've had a monopoly on social media. That's what I love about you, and uh, I know it's going to grow. I can't wait for the Freedom Square charge card and money exchange, which we'll work on privately. In the meantime, thank you very much. Go to Freedom Square, because I want, after we're done with this segment, I want you to call me tomorrow and say we had 1,000 people go. That's my goal. Thank you for doing what you do, Chuck. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We'll be back after this. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like on top of me, so everybody... I often discuss how lawyers who found a way to contort law, use it as a weapon, are a major reason we're in this predicament that we're in. I also know that it'll be lawyers that understand law is the shield that can revitalize the principles of Americanism because that is what it's based on. Law is the shield. So what do you do when law has been contorted and weaponized? Well, you rely on good lawyers. My next guest is one of those lawyers. He started out clerking for the Honorable Emmett Cox in the United States Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit. He previously served for several years as the assistant United States attorney in the Northern District of Florida. Now he's the legal fellow and manager for the, of the Supreme Court and Appellate Advocacy Program at the Edwin Meese III Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. He is Zach Smith. Zach, how are you? I'm doing well, Sean. Thank you so much for having me on the show this evening. Well, I appreciate it because we need to understand what happens when government bastardizes the rule of law and negates its its principle of enforcing law. Because we're living in once great cities that have been turned into third world ghettos and hellholes because the the government refuses to enforce the rule of law, turning more and more dangerous people back out on the streets, and they're immune to reality. As in Chicago, it's a nightly occurrence to have people who are just released, out on bond, on ankle bracelets, kill, murder, rape, and rob people. So what do we do? 
Well, look, I think we have to get back to fundamentals. We know fundamentally what works to drive down violent crime in big cities and really in any city across America. You put more police officers on the street, empower them to do their jobs efficiently and responsibly, and then you have prosecutors who are willing and able to prosecute criminals and to seek justice for victims. And unfortunately, in too many cities around the country, that is not happening, and it's particularly not happening in Chicago and Cook County with Kim Fox as the state attorney there, who has said she won't prosecute a number of crimes. She said she won't seek bail for most offenders. She'll presumptively won't seek a sentence of incarceration, even for repeat violent offenders. And you mentioned ankle monitors. Guess what, Sean? The Chicago Sun-Times did a study, and when people were released on ankle monitors and went out and cut the ankle monitors off or committed more crimes while they were on supposedly supervision, uh, she didn't prosecute them for many of those new offenses. So, of course, you're going to get more crime with that type of lax enforcement. Zach, this has become a political issue. This is not just Chicago and Kim Fox and Cook County. This is New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, California. This is a Democrat-specific agenda, which means it is their goal, as far as I can see. And I hate pretending that people start out with the same principles and the same premise and have the same goals. The reality is, from what I can ascertain, just the history itself, in the short time Kim Fox has taken to make things worse in Chicago, this is about some form of even Stephen, where if you release enough crime and mayhem onto the people, somehow at the end there's something called equality. Do, does she not understand people of means will hire private security or simply move out? Why has this become a weapon of government-preferred supremacy and racism? Well, look, many elected officials, including Kim Fox, don't have to live with the consequences of their policies. They get taxpayer-funded security. It's something you or I or other people on the street don't have. And then on top of that, many of these same elected officials want to restrict our Second Amendment rights uh, to keep and bear arms and to protect ourselves and our families. But you mentioned equality. You know, there's a myth behind many of these policies. There's a myth that our criminal justice system is systemically racist, which, of course, it's not. And there's a myth that we have a mass incarceration problem in our country, which, of course, we don't. If you look at who's primarily serving time in state or federal prisons, by and large, it's repeat violent offenders. And so whenever you hear Kim Fox or other elected officials, Brandon Johnson among them, talking about either not incarcerating as many people or releasing people from prison early, Well, guess what? That necessarily means either you're not going to lock up or you're going to release from prison early, repeat violent offenders who are going to come back into our communities and create more victims. So you have to keep in mind, you know, I listen, I I have no illusions that all lawyers are smart. I've known enough to know. No, they're just like everybody else. About a third (laughs) are good at what they do. Two thirds are just getting dragged around. Right. That's just the fact of the matter. But what you have here is the the consequences and the ramifications of this politicized agenda of making life worse. And it specifically shows its face in the, in the tranquility or, or the supposed tranquility of a society. If you were to look in Chicago specifically, we can talk about that because that's what we all know here listening to the show, and you see what used to be called the Magnificent Mile, desolate, vacancies, Retail vacancies, stores leaving, the collapse of revenue, the collapse of tax revenue. So these are politicians who are, in essence, smart enough to at least realize they're hurting their bottom line. But 
What is the ultimate goal? It has to be to get federal bailout and have the kind of problem they've cultivated because this could have all been avoided by not moving forward with this insane agenda of using government power to protect the predators versus the victims. Well, look, I think they see the damage that's being done. I think in many instances, either they don't care or they view it as collateral damage to their ultimate goal. And if you know where to look, particularly in academic journals or law review articles and the like, many of the professors and academics and advocates of this soft on crime movement will tell you, frankly, what their goal is. And it's to reimagine our criminal justice system, tear down the current infrastructure and build it back in something new and better. And by new and better, they basically mean build back a criminal justice system where the criminals are the victims and the victims are largely forgotten and where essentially no one will go to prison. There's actually something called a prison abolition movement started in Berkeley in the 60s and 70s, where they advocate for no prison, for no one, for any reason. And when you understand that that's the mindset, that is the end goal of the ideology behind much of this movement, well, I think the chaos and the carnage we're seeing in the streets today uh, should not come as a surprise, unfortunately, to any of us. You know, do, do, do Americans, are, they, are there enough Americans that are ignorant to our own history of how we got to civilization versus uh, the uncivilized nature of third world areas? Because the reality is there will be people like me that start to stand up for themselves. You see, by nature, I'm probably a predator. It is through the fear of incarceration that I chose to be civilized. But ultimately, I will protect my interests. And you will see people of money that hire private security. The Pinkertons will make a comeback. The violence that ensues means I, too, will not be afraid of justice if there is no justice. So how long before we devolve into the 18th century that uh, uh, really kind of demanded a civilized justice system that is being abandoned now. Well, look, I think your point is an interesting point, a valid one, in that criminals particularly are not stupid. They understand the message that's being sent. They understand the incentives that are being given to them. And right now, the message that's being sent is that a certain amount of lawlessness, a certain amount of crime, a certain amount of property damage, even death or destruction will be tolerated And that at worst, they'll get a slap on the wrist uh, for doing that. And so, of course, if you say that type of conduct is going to be tolerated, you're going to get more of that type of conduct. And I think Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., crime statistics in those cities uh, bear that unfortunate reality out. Zach, I have to tell you, uh, during COVID, I left because I didn't want to tolerate living among open and notorious gangsters posing as a political party. And I went to Southwest Florida to watch the difference in the news and the approach of government is astonishing. And unless you're really watching it, you think you understand it, but you don't really know what it's like when sheriffs in different counties in Florida come on TV and they say every morning they give a briefing and this is a scumbag we caught robbing a grocery store and he will do 12 years. These are gangbangers that tried to shoot up a town, met our deputies and was killed. And we are looking for his friends to kill. And you realize the fear of the criminal in those states. And it's completely opposite of these Democrat once great cities that are now, unfortunately, uncivilized bastions of third world corruption. And you, you, you want to say, Do you understand this is how it is supposed to be, where the law enforcement officers are intimidating the predators, where the predators are very nervous, they will encounter the law. And that's how uh, life in America is meant to be. And how can we communicate that 
Is there stats and data, or is it just the fact that good people are going to good areas? Well, I think it's both. Uh, certainly, you can look at the uh, declination rate of prosecutors' offices to see how many cases they're declining. You can see their conviction, their win rate. And I have to tell you, Kim Fox in Chicago is abysmal on both fronts. There's a great series of articles in the Chicago Sun-Times outlining that Kim Fox is not only declining more cases than her predecessor, uh, she's also losing a higher percentage of the cases that she actually takes trial. Uh, So again, there's really no fear of consequences by the criminal element in Chicago and many other cities. And again, if you contrast that with Florida, which you mentioned, you know, the governor of Florida, he removed two radical Soros-backed prosecutors, one in Tampa, one in Orlando, from office. And so far in Chicago, in Los Angeles, in New York, uh, that same type of accountability for elected officials has not been brought to bear. No, I think the flaw of humanity, it's got money, but one of the, the, the worst and most diabolical is the ability of human beings to adapt to terrible situations. There is no standard that they force others to live by. You can adapt to living in a corrupt society. You can adapt to living among criminals who thrive and honest people who are, are fearful. And I see that happening in these Democrat-controlled areas. And I'm wondering, did it all start with the lack of, of of focus on exactly what happened to George Floyd and the acceptance by the nation writ large to the story and the fairy tale told of the virtuous drug addict lowlife? Well, look, here's what I can say. Again, in the wake of George Floyd's death, there were myths pushed about the criminal justice system that was systemically racist, that we locked too many people up, we have a mass incarceration problem, and those just weren't true. But you had elected elite leaders around the country making policy decisions based on those myths. So in Washington, D.C., for example, you had the local elected city council cut $15 million from the local police department's budget. They expected about 200 officers to leave the force as a result of that. those cuts. It actually turned out to be more than double that with it. 430 having left the force as of earlier this year, putting the police force at a half century low in terms of manpower. And so, of course, when there aren't enough police officers to respond to crime, uh, when there aren't prosecutors who are willing to prosecute that crime, the U.S. attorney in D.C. declined 67 percent, two thirds of all felony cases presented to the office last year. Uh, It's an astounding number. Criminals are not fearful that there will be consequences for their actions. I'm wondering, when all of this was going on, your perspective of somebody who has been in love with the idea of American law and the justice system actually implementing justice and really protecting, but more importantly, inspiring that tranquility Americans enjoyed and took for granted. And when you see the turning point, it will clearly fall back to uh, uh, the George Floyd instance. But there's a new uh, documentary out called The Fall of Minneapolis. Have Have you watched it by any chance? I have not. You will enjoy it because what it does is what should have been done at the time. It not only focuses on the fact of who George Floyd was as a human being and the kind of life he led, but it focuses on the actual issue that took place over his arrest time period, which was very lengthy. It goes from the first meeting in the car all the way to when he, he, he died. And it shows that in, now we have the, the benefit of history to realize he wasn't killed by a police officer. He was killed by drugs as he was a notable drug addict. Do you think maybe something like facts can put our train back on the right track of things and maybe deliver that tranquility we all took for granted? Well, I would certainly hope uh, that facts would have a, a 
you know, positive effect on society. And I think the more people understand or are able to connect the dots, that many of these so-called progressive policies are actually driving crime in their communities that once elected officials start getting pressure from their constituents, start understanding that citizens in communities are not going to tolerate these policies that lead to this type of crime, uh, that would be a fir- good first step in terms of reversing many of the problematic trends uh, we've seen over the past three to five years. What are some of the uh, – are you seeing some optimism with um, the states that are pushing back against the bastardization of a congressional power of an insurrection act. Are, are, I, I know that's not specifically what what you came on to talk about, but do you do you think there's hope in in law sticking up for where it is supposed to be and not accepting the kind of manipulation of law in these Democrat areas that politicians use as a weapon? Are you optimistic when you see what's happening um, with states and their misusing of of government powers like the insurrection act, only meant to be used by Congress? Well, look, I see, think you're seeing an increasing frustration with the lawfare that's being engaged in uh, in many different areas of, of life, whether it's in terms of criminal justice, whether it's in terms of election integrity, and a recognition that courts have a limited but important role to play. They're supposed to decide what the law is. They're supposed to interpret the law, make sure that criminal defendants get due process, that the rights are protected, uh, all of those sorts of things. But increasingly, judges on courts have overstepped their appropriate authority. They've essentially pointed themselves to be one man or one woman, super legislatures, essentially imposing their own preferred policy preferences on the electorate, regardless of what local elected officials decide. I think many people are rightly getting frustrated with that and are coming to understand that the appropriate role for judges, whether at the state or at the federal level, is to interpret the law, say what the law is, as it was understood at the time it was passed, and not to impose their own policy preferences, uh, regardless of the consequences or regardless of what local elected officials uh, want or do. Zach, are you shocked by the fact that the media is cheering the idea of Rudy Giuliani not only being bankrupt, but not allowed to use the benefits of bankruptcy protection? Are you shocked by the fact that his... uh, his right to appeal a judgment is being circumvented, at least by the media. And do you think that maybe uh, something like the miscarriage of justice in the Giuliani case can be appealed? I'm curious, as you spent so much time in the appeal in the appellate court. No, I'm not shocked by the demonization and the media and other outlets. Again, I think this is just an extension of the lawfare that we've been seeing on many fronts, obviously many on the media, I think wrongly are cheering that on uh, right now. But certainly uh, Rudy Giuliani, like any other American, should be entitled to avail himself of all the due process, all the laws and legal protections that would be available uh, to anyone else. You know, uh, the law is not there for only Republicans. It's not there for only Democrats or independents. It's there for all Americans and equally be applied to everyone, regardless of race, religion, color, creed, political affiliation, uh, which, again, is something I think, unfortunately, uh, that too many people have forgotten today. Zach Smith, you're not only the reason I have hope in law being resurrected as the shield of the honest man, but the Heritage Foundation is why I stay optimistic, because I know they have you and many others who are fighting to rectify the bastardization of American law as it's going through right now in the year 2023. I appreciate you and all of the people at the Heritage Foundation, Zach. Thank you so much for making time for me. 
Of course. Thank you for having me on, Sean, and I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. Merry Christmas and Happy Healthy to you and your family as well, Zach. Thank you. We'll be back with your calls and comments. Make money, smoke cigars, and live free on The Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Do you about the Costco robbery? Democrats scourge beating women, stealing expensive cars. Another Costco in the suburbs has been the scene of a carjacking. This time it happened in the northern suburbs and a woman was injured. Let's go to WGN's Jewel Hillary. She is in Glenview with that investigation. Listen, ladies, ladies, if you're pumping gas, lock the fracking door. Lock the door because the Democrats scourge. They're meandering around. Oh, yes, they are. You see them on every corner. And they're looking for an opportunity, a weak link. Do not be the weak link. When you get out to fill your car up, make sure your gas cap is off and lock the door. You solve a lot of problems. Take your little key with you. And if something happens, you run, Forrest, run. Not complicated. In the meantime, Ed Burke going to prison. In prison, dinner was always a big thing. We had a pasta course, and then we had a meat or a fish. Paulie did the prep work. He was doing a year for contempt, and he had this wonderful system for doing the garlic. I'll bet you this slob gains weight if he goes to jail. Not that he ever will. He's got Denny Hastert's wheelchair. Here's a guy who's got personal knowledge of exactly how tasty that uh, short in the pants gangster ass tastes. Cream Puff Jim. <laughs> hey. You gonna miss him? Are you gonna miss him? Are you gonna be there crying at the farewell party? Now take me to jail. You think he goes? Oh yeah, uh, uh, yeah I have a few relatives there. Oh sure. At Eighty years old. Eighty years old. You know, when we were kids. You gotta quit when you're eighty years old. Fifty-four years like Don Cheech. In the meantime, he's got these idiots, these willful slaves, crying. Oh, he was a great man. I'd like to put an anchor around his neck and throw him in Lake Michigan. That's what I would do. But I'm not sympathetic anyway, to mobsters. Well, yeah. they caught up to an 80. But I was going to mention windmills. I feel like Cervantes today. Uh, Don oh, yeah. Quixote. Yeah. Windmills are in Scotland and, and uh, Great Britain. Yeah, wonderful success. England. Yeah. Another, another nightmare. Yeah. But anyway, 30% of their electricity comes, you know, like the first three months of the year. They, it's free. It's electricity, you know, done by, done by windmills. But electricity is the only way to go, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, really? I got a question for you. Maybe you could do a little homework on it in between meals. Can you uh, tell me exactly how you store electricity? Can you solve that riddle for me, Riddler? I don't, even think, I don't think they know what electricity is. It's a uh, fracking scam. You no, can't they, store I don't think it. They, they know, I used to ask, ask my brother, I said, what is electricity? Nobody's ever figured it out. You know, positive and negative and all that. <laughs> they really don't know, what, don't know what electricity is. It's 100 years old. People are already sick of it. They're willing to go back to the Stone Age. I say give them their way. The last thing these idiots need is the ingenuity that my capitalists delivered. I say go with the windmills. You know what I mean, Squirrel? Thank you very much for the call there, Cream Pup. Lawrence, mm. Chicago. And how are you, Sean? Merry Christmas to all your uh, callers. Oh. And uh, Chicago, there's an emergency crisis going on. Yeah. This illegal, legal immigrant crisis is out of control. I'm hoping President Biden and Senator Dick do nothing Durbin responsible for it. I, I was open to the first couple thousand 
you know, to help them out and, you know, be brothers and sisters. But this is this is out of control. I'm asking every Democrat and Republican leader in Illinois to stand with Lawrence Legas, an accomplished activist, to hold these uh, Democrat uh, uh, elected officials accountable for what they're doing to our city. You know, Lawrence, I, 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 don't, I, I love that. I think it's great. But, you know, once you realize the scam, the scam is in the phony virtue of a body count. Because the way in which they, they get their money is received from the federal government is a body count. That's why they're not interested in cleaning the voter rolls. That's why people who've been dead for 14 years are still getting voter cards and they want new signatures to it, like my friend's mother. This is what you see, because what they're interested in is just keeping the, the rolls full. And the nice thing about illegal aliens is that even though they don't get to vote, they still are constituents and they still get benefits. And it's within those benefits that the money tree called the federal government kicks out money. I want to play you a clip. I find staggering, staggering. And nobody wants to talk about, well, why would you come here if it wasn't for free stuff? The newly arrived migrants are for now being housed inside the bus terminal at O'Hare Airport. Among them is 35-year-old Ana Maria Giordano, her husband, and three young children. The people who brought us here were the first to get off the plane, and we never saw them again, says Giordano. We kept asking what was happening, but the people at the airport didn't know. They just asked us to remain calm and told us to stay inside the terminal so we wouldn't be cold. To make matters worse, Giordano had to be rushed to the hospital shortly after landing. I have two brain tumors, and my eight-year-old son has leukemia. I have two brain tumors, and my eight-year-old son has leukemia. Well, don't you have a donkey with the pig flu? What the hell is going on here? How'd you make the trip? Let alone, what's that going to cost the people of Chicago? They treated me wonderfully at the hospital, but brought me back this morning at 5 a.m. Did you happen to get a bill? What happened at the end of that hospital visit? I mean, I'm guessing you didn't have a Blue Cross Blue Shield. You're not in the Obamacare, the rabid success that is. You see, it's about money, honey. That's all it is. The hospital, you think they're going to question the hospital? How much did it cost to treat two brain tumors, a son with leukemia, and a donkey with the bird flu? What did that cost? I don't know. Just put it on the tab. Seven, eight, nine million. Who cares at this point? It's all just money for nothing and chicks for free. In the meantime, how many people were on Epstein's flight logs? Oh, don't worry. Don't focus on the details, Squirrel. We're going to get those names. Just hang on, unless little Dick Durbin can protect them. A federal judge has ordered the release of the names of more than 150 people with connections to Jeffrey Epstein. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Can we bet on what their party affiliation is? Because I'd like to put down $100 on 100%. Anybody want to cover that? I don't think so. In the meantime, even Democrats are starting to waver on the bastardization of the rule of law. Well, I would have given it a D minus in constitutional law with great inflation. But if the professor was Lawrence Tribe or if it was Jamie Raskin, he'd have given him an A plus. This was an attempt to totally manipulate amendment that was never designed to disqualify people in future elections. It was a Civil War amendment. It's an attempt to manipulate this amendment just to get Trump title of my book get trump uh this is just another example of that if you look at the constitution it is as clear as could be that the 14th amendment can be implemented only by congress not by state legislatures you know two things happen while this was going on i can't get past the fact we have a traitor in the white house an absolute traitor 
the recipient of millions of dollars, Chinese oligarchs, all recipients of our policy. Chinese wasn't for us. They'd be swimming, not to mention Ukraine, the most corrupt former Soviet Union country in existence, not to mention the 400,000 people. Then you realize Middle East context that troubled me in what the, the Congress has found out. Welcome back. House Oversight Committee investigators receiving new witness testimony from an AmeriCorps health trustee that the $200,000 check that James Biden paid President Joe Biden could only have come from predatory loans or senior citizens money fraudulently invested by one of James Biden's business partners. The trustee also told the committee that their company paid James Biden $600,000 after he promised to use his last name, Biden, uh, to get his Middle Eastern contacts contacts to help them raise capital. The com- Middle Eastern contacts to help them raise capital. That's a damning allegation because you do realize what's going on in the Middle East. A cruise missile launched by Houthi rebels in Yemen has struck a commercial vessel in the Red Sea. The Norwegian flagship called the Strina was hit. 60 nautical miles north of the Bab el Mandeb Strait, the missile caused a fire and damage to the vessel. No casualties were reported. Its owners say it was carrying palm oil to Italy and was heading towards the Suez Canal. Hey, you inbred 7th century goat Casanovas. It's carrying palm oil to Italy, you morons. It's a Norwegian ship. What the hell are you trying to do, dummies? The Houthi spokesperson says the ship was targeted because the group believed it was transporting crude oil to Israel. Well, you stupid son of a guns aren't very good at making any kind of decisions. In the meantime, how deep are those connections of the Joe Biden crime syndicate into the Middle East? Well, we know how big they are into China. Remember when Joe Biden told the American people that his son didn't make any money in China? My son has not made money in terms of this thing about uh, what are you talking about? China. Well, not only did he lie about his son, Hunter, making money in China, but it also turns out that $40,000 in laundered China money landed in Joe Biden's bank account in the form of a personal check. And the Oversight Committee has it. Here's how Joe Biden benefited from his family's shady deal with CEFC, a Chinese Communist Party-linked company. It all began with a shakedown in the summer of 2017 when Hunter Biden sent a message to his CEFC associate demanding a $10 million capital payment. That struck me, Squirrel. 2017. What else happened in 2017, Squirrel? U.S. President Donald Trump has said that his administration has asked for the withdrawal of billions of dollars in American pension fund investments in China and that other similar actions were in consideration. So the same year, the rightful elected president Donald Trump says no more will pension money go into the Chinese Communist Party's companies or stock market. Same year, Chinese Communist Mafia says we got to stop this by hook or crook. So they buy short in the pants Joe Biden crime family. They buy him and they work with him to steal the election in 2020. But they guarantee the policies that will reverse the bankrupting of China's communist Ponzi scheme, pretend economy. See, because it only exists on our money. We're the only country that came up with the idea of citizens having money instead of government. So they bought themselves a short-in-the-pants Irishman. Not Ed Burke, but a skinnier, dumber one who wets himself. As Hunter Biden extorted this associate, 
Hunter claimed he was sitting with his father and that the Biden network would turn on his associate if he didn't pony up the money. The extortion scheme worked. Days later, $5 million flowed in from a Chinese affiliate of CEFC. Not to mention the $10 million from the oligarch that owned Burisma. You, you, you guys think you're fooling me? I mean, not everybody's dumb enough to vote Democrat. He said this in an interview with Fox Business News on Thursday. U.S. and China relations have deteriorated after the coronavirus outbreak. The U.S. has expressed disappointment over Beijing's handling of the coronavirus. You know what could fix that? An asset, a traitor to his nation. Joe Biden. And he's got the plausible deniability. After all, he's got that dementia face. Everyone knows he's stupid. 312-642-5600. This is the Sean Thompson Show. Where Democrats are always wrong, Republicans are seldom right, and politicians are never, ever to be trusted. On AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Oh, please. I want to know what the line is. I'd have that shirt in the pants mafia Don pulls a Frankie Pantangelo in the bathtub tonight. Coward. Probably will. Since we don't get to ask him ourselves, we would have last night maybe if he'd stuck around a little while. What would the president say is his foreign policy achievement of the year? There's a lot that we've achieved uh, in foreign policy. and Yeah, you delivered. Wrong. To all of the Chinese communists that bribed this scumbag. You delivered to the Ukrainian oligarchs that steal our money as their wives go shopping in Paris. You've delivered. You've weakened our nation and strengthened theirs. That's what you were bribed for, right, shirt in the pants? Um, leads on foreign policy issues from a, a, a place of principles and values. <laughs> yeah. You know, the only thing that he did, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to foreign policy, Squirrel, is he really gave us one of my absolute and total favorite foreign policy mishaps for the inbred 7th century barbarians. That's what happens when 7th century barbarians try to fly a C-130 we left behind in Afghanistan, along with $87 billion of other stuff. Good news is, there was only livestock, some pregnant, that were harmed in the chaos. David Lansing. Hey, Sean. Uh, you were talking about electricity with uh, Cream Puff Jim earlier. Yes. Uh, in keeping with that theme, I heard a news report last week that somebody was stealing extension cords off the Christmas lights in downtown Chicago. And um, I can tell you from... It wasn't personal, me. I was out of town, and I don't go to Chicago. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Um, I go to a lot of scrapyards around the south suburbs and into Chicago, and I can tell you about a third of the customers I encounter speak no English whatsoever, but they speak fluent Spanish. Yeah. I might be sounding like I'm... What the hell are you going to scrapyards for? Are you looking for chicks? You're a peculiar, you're a peculiar bird there, David and Lansing. What do you say, Squirrel? We go hang out at a scrapyard. No, I'm not doing that either. Glenn and Oakbrook. Hey, Sean. Merry Christmas to you and the AM560 family. And right, right back at you. Hope I never see you at a scrapyard. Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to get a bumper sticker that says Aloha. Aloha Snack Bar. 
I tell you what, when that thing goes sideways, they were convinced if they yell it enough, that'll just straighten out. They have no idea how to keep that thing in the air. Judicial Watch uh, won a uh, lawsuit that forces D.C. to remove 103,000 ineligible names from the voting rolls. Oh, boy, wouldn't that be nice? Do you believe they sent that to my buddy's mom? He showed me the paperwork. Just give, just give us an example of her new signature, which means they just wanted somebody to sign it and vote again this year. That's the mafia way, and Ed Burke will be eulogized for it. All right, I'll be back in 21 hours. Aloha, snack bar. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 